Welcome back to Held and Healed. This podcast is a resource filled with resources to help you on your healing journey. And we are going to begin sharing some survivor stories. So today I would like to introduce you to my sweet friend, Lauren Rose, and she is going to just be sharing parts of her story with us today and how she has somehow miraculously maintained a faith and a relationship with Jesus through. So welcome to Held and Healed, Lauren. Hi, thank you for the introduction, and I am glad to be here today. We met through Called to Peace Ministries, so would you like to tell us a little bit about Called to Peace and what you do at, at that ministry? Yes, I am a content producer, social media manager um, for Called to Peace Ministries, so I manage their most of your social media communications and emails and things like that, uh, so I love it. It's awesome. You're an effective communicator, compassionate, empathetic, and um, do just a amazing job with them. And then what else do you do right now in your writing? I also work for an IOT tech company doing tech writing and also their content and social media management as well. And I also work for a company called Best Version Media that produces neighborhood magazines. And I manage, I was managing five right now, I'm managing five, I mean, three of their magazines and producing content and managing all the content for their magazines. You do a lot of writing. I do a lot of writing. Yeah. And you do a great job of that. So um, we got to meet face-to-face last month at the retreat. And you're also coming up here to Virginia to help me with the Held and Healed retreat in September. So I would love for you just to um, kind of take it away and share a little bit about your um, childhood, your upbringing, and the culture, um, the spiritual culture that you were raised in. And we'll just kind of go back and forth and have a little conversation. Okay. That sounds great. Um So my background is my parents actually became Christians when I was 12. Um, Before that, I was at a boarding school um, in New England, and then I was homeschooled. So we were talking a dramatic shift there. Um, And it was a good thing in my life. Like, I was really grateful for that um, and for being um, exposed to scripture and being taught that God was real and demonstrated that through my life. Um, Except for when I was 17, my family got introduced to a homeschooling organization called Institute and Basic Life Principles with Bill Gothard. And I like, I was against it. I told Bill Gothard off in person at 17. I was very- (laughs) Gift of discernment, huh? (laughs) I literally- felt everything within me. I was like, I will destroy you and everything that you stand for, for you putting my parents here. Uh, So you, I mean, you felt that that strongly at 17. Yes. Yes. My family. Wow. Wow. Introduced to him. And I was like, oh, great. I hate this. I do not like him. Cause I'm like, this is a cult. I was like, I don't want this. I was like, these people are cultic. They wear long skirts. They have multiple kids and they don't listen to anything but hymns and classical. Like they're cult. I'm like, (laughs) I Which is not necessarily the definition of a cult, but in your 17-year-old mind, that's what it was. I I was 16. I was like, oh, two weeks away from 17. (laughs) That that in the cut, you're still like kind of developing anything outside of concrete terms. So to me, Mm -hmm. nothing to do with it. And then they told me I couldn't go to college. And that was when I lost it. So I had to meet him. And he's like, oh, would you like, how would you like to go to our college? I said, no, thank you. Wow. 
he was, my parents were like, well, we'll pray about it. I said, no, I'm not praying about any of this. I was like, my answer is no. I was like, I will not go. I'm going to, and I name out the college I'm going to, and I plan on me. He's like, well, what do you plan to do with your life? And I spouted out my whole plan. And he's like, well, I could get you doing this. And I was like, well, um, I remember thinking, well, if you're going to force me into that, you better wait and see what I do. So um, anyway. <laughs> I love it. I love the spunk. Um, like, I, I believe with all my heart that that spunk and that fire is why you're still here. <laughs> oh, yeah. It gets better. Yeah. That night in front of 20,000 people. Like, I'm not exaggerating. There's 20,000 people there at this big college. And he said, I have literally met the most defiant and rebellious team <gasps> ever met my whole life. He said, I have worked with gangs in the streets of Chicago. Oh, my goodness. And it was so, um, she said she was just dark. And it was like she was in witchcraft. Oh, and like and her two younger brother and sister and started describing my family. And he's like, and she was defiant towards her dad. He's like, people like that don't belong in our program. If that's your family, you just, you need to leave. Like, I am not lying. All right. Side note, this, this is a clear cut example of spiritual abuse for anyone who doesn't know what spiritual abuse is getting up in front of 20,000 people <laughs> and talking about her in a way that she knew that she was being talked about. That is a form of spiritual abuse. Oh, yes. Well, oh, I mean, wow. Oh, wow. Produced all weekend is like the defiant teen that listened to rock music. Mm. Um, so I just, I, I was like, so I kind of internalized that I'm a rebellious teen and uh, I wasn't really a rebellious teen by real definitions of the world standards at all. Um, but I was very much against all of this, um, conservativeness. I remember picking up Joshua Harris's book. My parents handed it to me when I was 14 mm. at the bit across the room. And I yeah. said, I don't have anything to do with it. And they were like, um, my dad, they were like, basically like, well, you know, I wouldn't sell a car without buying it. So I'm going to, you know, you have to meet everybody and, you know, you're more valuable than that. And I'm like, well, I'm not a car. I'm not being related to that. And that's not how the world works. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm kind of sassy and mean a little bit, but um, anyway, so make a long story short, I'm kind of going off on a rampage there. I was, <laughs> I internalized the belief that something's wrong with me and that I'm just, um, saw myself as very cold hearted and. I, I, I just hated this aspect of this um, organization that my parents were forcing me into. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna get a job. I'm gonna save money and get out. And that was kind of my plan. And then um, I was going to Liberty University at the time, got accepted there. And um, we went to another conference. And this point I actually got saved. I was not a Christian at 16 years old. Um, I got saved and God began working my life. And that by saved, I mean, I really surrendered my life to God and told him I will do whatever he's called me to do. I just was desperate for him. And I began doing a lot of international um, kind of what I saw it was like international work at 17. I would work in these apartment complexes, volunteering with these um, refugee type people that moved in. I was doing that all summer and I was so excited. So I was planning on at this point now going to um, had a heart to do mission work um, and go overseas and be a missionary. And I was really excited about that. And then we went to that conference for ATI. Um, and so anyway, it's, this is where I believe like God just specifically chose me. And it's kind of a crazy story. So I'm just going to kind of go into my story from here. Um, and so I came back and I was informed that I couldn't go to college. And I remember just crying and crying and sitting out in my hammock. And I was just like, God, I, I can't believe this. And God told me to let it go and trust him. So I let go of my um, acceptance to Liberty University and decided that I was going to trust God. And I went to a local seminary, 
put my hand on the door and to get an application. And I felt like peaceful in my soul. And God said, this is where I've called you. So I plan to go there and get my uh, master's and go do their two plus two program and be a missionary. But I came back and was informed by my family. I could not. And that I was going to this ATI program. And I remember getting really upset and telling them that there was no junior Holy Spirit and that I had heard God speak to me and I'm called here. And this is where I'm going to go. And they explained to me that my character wasn't good enough and I wouldn't get in. Mm. Um, and so I internalized a lot of lies that I was not a good Christian. I believed I was more the scum of the earth. Um, mm -hmm. Just because of all the stuff from just that whole culture would look at me as a Christian, even though I wanted to do mission work, would see me as a very defiant, rebellious team because I listened to Christian mm. Um, because they believe in hymns and classical only and long skirts and no dating and just very strict standards. There's no Holy Spirit. It's just all law. Right, right. So I went to this program and um, I honestly would say I got more brainwashed by it. Was in it for eight weeks and um, had to wear long skirts every day, listen to speakers all day long um, and couldn't contact my parents but 15 minutes one time a week. If you cannot talk about brainwashing, I don't know what else is. Like you're literally inside for eight weeks in a place that you can't have any other information other than what they're teaching. Oh, wow. And yeah. So I did that for eight weeks. Um, and I began to believe more so as a Christian that I was worthless. I began to believe that I had to earn love. I had to believe that I had earned acceptance and, you know, I, there was no room for the Holy spirit. I was taught that if you feel called to seminary and your parents tell you, no, that that is God directing you and you're to listen to your parents. And so I began to think that I would find my identity and worth in my direction from God through my parents. So I subjected myself to them in every area of my life. And I had no friends from the ages of 21 to 23 outside the home. I didn't listen to anything but hymns and classical music and wore long skirts every day and did not work. And I went to their IBLP college and received a degree in counseling from them. Um, it's not accredited. It's just a Bible college. Um, anyway, so that's kind of my story of getting brainwashed and going wholeheartedly into the cult, um, even though I had once been against it. So Did you, were you still like in your gut, were you still feeling like there's something wrong here or were you completely like on the other side at this point? I'm completely on the other side. Okay. Um, I had been brainwashed enough to believe that I, I totally believe that this was the answer and this was the way. And I believe that because I guess therapists would say I was set up to a certain point where I believed that I was worthless. Yeah. So I was willing to subject myself to this to earn love and right. earn felt like was worth and value. But the sad part is the more I went into it, the more worthless I began to feel. The more I realized I never could measure up. I never could get acceptance. I would never be good enough. And so it was just an endless cycle of trying to make myself feel good and heal those deep wounds of feeling that I'm worthless because mm -hmm. something anyway, so we'll kind of go into more of that story. But um, I had something tragic happen in my life around the ages. Well, was it tragic around 21? I was I was very dedicated as a Christian still. I would spend about an hour in prayer every morning. I made a commitment to God that I would do that. So I spent an hour in prayer, 30 minutes in Bible reading, and I did that for a couple years. Um, I wasn't allowed to have outside friends, so I had plenty of time to do that. Um, and I really began to know God in a deep way. And I actually had something called dissociative memories. So I had blocked memories from when I was a child of something that a tragic incident that had happened to me. 
And God told me about it. And God said, I want you to fast and pray and I'll bring it out. So I fasted and prayed all day long. And at the end of the day, I said, okay, God, I fasted and pray. Where is it? And I began having my first flashbacks. Well, Mm. fast forward six months later, they hit me so hard. I couldn't sleep at night. I had full blown PTSD. Mm -hmm. I wasn't believed. Um, So I stayed in my bedroom all day and prayed. I literally prayed. I don't know all day. Just I couldn't cope. Um, so through all that, I became, began to get really connected to God in a deeper way. And I graduated from their Bible college and randomly was at a conference again for IBLP and saw Bill Gothard. And I saw him talking about the Romanian delegations. Remember, I still have a heart for mission work. I really have a heart for overseas and, um, still feel called to be a missionary. And I say to, I hear God say to me, I've called you to work with that Romanian delegation. And Mm -hmm. so I okay, God, if that's really your will, then you make him come ask me, you move mountains and you make this happen. So I later that day was um, in a sea of 2000, probably about 2000 young people, or maybe 2,500 people at the conference, or I don't know how many people, maybe somewhere around there was thousands of people. Anyway, just put it that way. I was standing there and Bill Gothard is talking to my sister. So I walk up and say, hello. I meet Bill Gothard and he looks at me and he says, how would you like to come work with the Romanian delegation? Mm, wow. I, wow. Yes, actually, I would like to come work with the Romanian delegation. So I began to see him as somebody that obviously could hear God um, because there was incidents in his life that I saw. I believe God spoke through him and was saying something to him and working. So I began to trust him. Anyway, I ended up going to work there and I felt like God called me to work there or Bill Gothard did. Um, I'm going to kind of go through a little bit briefly more of my story because there's points that connect. Um, I began to see through him very quickly within a week. Um, and I remember him first handing me a letter to, well, first he had me pray and I got down my knees and I prayed with him alone in the office and, um, okay, stop right there. You're how, yeah. you're how old at this point? 21. And you get down on your knees with this man in his office alone. Okay. That's a big red flag right there. Just yep. saying, just saying. Okay. Yeah. But that was very normal. Right. Right. Very normal in that culture, but not normal in normal culture. Okay. Yes. We would go around to the other side of his office um, and we would get down on his couch and we would get down on our knees and we would Uh hold and we would pray. Mm. I felt a little bit uncomfortable. So I just began to pray. And then afterwards he just stood there and looked at me and he said, when you pray, you touch heaven. He's like, you know, God. And I was like, well, yes, I do. I've been through some really hard things and I do know God very deeply. He's like, I haven't had this much connection with a girl since the 1990s. Oh God. Wow. And she and I had sweet fellowship. We were really close and I just haven't felt that in a long time. I feel like God sent here for you here for a very specific purpose. Wow. Remember I'm the young I was worthless about myself. So this is Oh my gosh, the leader thinks I'm amazing. <laughs> mm. um, and so I um, am flabbergasted and he's asked me to come be on a staff and possibly um, be a secretary and work for him. Mm. And then the next day we're riding up in the car with his assistants and I am handed a letter and I began to read it. And all of a sudden in my spirit, I feel nothing but there's something inappropriate between this man and this woman. Mm-hmm. And so I turn and look at him and I see him in a daze. And I'm like, he's in a daze of lust. I'm like, no, that can't be. This can't be. And so all of a sudden I just look at him and the first thing that comes to my mouth, I said, what do you want me to do with this letter? I said, do you want me to rip it up in shreds for you? 
And he went to go snatch on my hand. But before he did, I flipped the letter over and I saw the word Meg. And I was like, Meg, Meg, who is Meg? And I, he snatched on my hands. A week later, I'm watching him flirt with young girls in the office. And I'm like, okay, God, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know. And I'm traumatized to a certain extent because I'm like, I don't, I don't understand this. But I'm sensing everything in my spirit is screaming. This is wrong. There's something bad here. And mm-hmm. God spoke to me so clearly that day. And he said, I've seen everything here. And someday I'll use you in court to testify against him. And I'm like, do what? Wow. So wow. away. And I'm like, okay. So I watch over the next three years, he kind of gets a win that I can sense through things. And, but he really likes me because I'm a very good communicator. I did a lot of public speaking for him. I mean, I speak to crowds up to 5,000 people to international. I worked in their international department. Um, it's another story how I got there. Um, I host a Romanian um, dignitaries and all international dignitaries from all over the world and travel with him to Romania. So I had the ability to communicate. So he liked me close by. Um, he liked my testimonies of how God was working in my life. And that was why I stayed in favor with him. But he didn't like me too close and would get upset when I could see through things. And he would grab me by the hands and he'd be like, you are a young girl laden with fears. Wow. I began to believe that all my cautions I felt against him were fears. Mm-hmm. And that I'm girl laden with fears. Wow. Um, and sadly that progressed to, I began to get very, very depressed, um, working there. And at the very end, I was laying in my bed one night and I was like, God, I don't, I don't know if you're real anymore. I was like, I, I can't pray. Every time I pray, I'm just feeling so much pain in my heart. Um, I had been really spiritually abused for the three and a half years. I worked there three years. I'd worked there um, I had been through periods where I wasn't provided food and was told to fast and pray. I was told to get my money away. I didn't have money for food often. Um, and it was, I worked about 60 hour work weeks usually. Um, and I wasn't paid. So it, that, was, that right there astounds me. So you and other girls like you uh-huh. would, would serve this ministry, believing you were doing this as unto God 60 hours a week with no compensation. Yes. I was given I was given $50 a week to pay for my food, but I was also expected while I worked for him to drive my Tahoe and pay for all the gas. Wow. That as well. So all that money went, the $50 went completely to gas because I was paying to drive these dignitaries all over Chicago. Uh, Let me, let me just interject here that I know of ministries that do this to young people, not just, not just Gothard. So I just want to put this out there into the wind that if you're listening and you are a young person who is serving your church and you are like exhausted, exhausted, believing you're doing this is unto God, it's a high likely chance that you're being taken advantage of. And um, I know of young people who babysit for free, like hours and hours and hours of this every single week, like no, that's not okay. <laughs> and it is okay to serve people, but there is a point where people are being taken advantage of. And clearly that was what was happening for you. Oh, absolutely. Slave labor. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. It's higher. Um, I mean, it crashed my head. I couldn't get up in the morning. I had severe headaches. Um, anyway, I was completely, I went, anyway, I will go into another story the other part of my story, because we're going to go into the domestic abuse that I went through. Um, but I was completely drained. Um, after three years of this, I was paid minimum wage the last year, but the first two years was completely free. Um, and I mean, some weeks 
I hosted young girls and I got up at, I was told by Bill Gothard to get up at five in the morning because I was hosting girls in my house and I stayed awake till 11 o'clock at night counseling them. I also live with juvenile delinquents working with them for free while I work 60 hour work weeks. So I was maintaining a level of work that I just couldn't. And so it drained me. I mean, I was literally sick um, by the very end and exhausted and worn out from God. It was very spiritually abusive. It was very controlled by him. I had asked permission to go off campus, was told when to gain weight, told how to wear my hair, told how to, um, not to cut my hair. So, I mean, I was completely controlled by him in every area of my life. It was, it was a abusive relationship. Um, and not only that, I was very spiritually abused and constantly told anytime I saw things that I'm a young girl laden with fears and he was also sexually harassing me all at the same time. So, wow which I don't want to go in details of that and what he did. Right. But um, anyway, my story is I came home. I told God, I didn't know if he was real, but I remember, no, he was close to me during that time of dissociation. There was once a time I had a really deep walk with God. I mean, I still did. I was like, but I feel he's so distant. I was like, okay, God, I know you're real. I know you're real because you've been with me. Then that means if you're real, and we were saying out loud, then what I'm seeing here is not real Christianity. So all I know right now is Bill Gothard is not real Christianity, and I don't know what it means to really be a Christian, but I'm going to follow you until I figure it out because mm-hmm. I know I know you are the way of life, so I'm just going to follow you. Um, sadly, at that point, a guy was pursuing me um, for marriage, courtship. I had severe caution, and I started going into further depression because I felt such a lack of peace, but I didn't know how to follow God based on peace or not peace. I was always taught principles and deny, suppress, deny, suppress any feelings and intuition I had and just follow the principles. So I didn't know what to do at this point. I went home into my time there and he kept um, courting me. I, the further along we get, the more sick I felt, um, the more I didn't want to marry him. Um, I don't want to go into all of my story there, but just say I followed biblical principles of honoring my parents I fasted and prayed one day and said, God, please make this end. I don't understand what's going on. I don't, I don't know what to do. I didn't know how to end something. I didn't know how to listen to a caution and follow against what authorities were saying in my life. Um, I hadn't learned how to make my own choices. I had only been used to control. So I married somebody that I didn't want to marry because I felt like that was what I was supposed to do. I didn't know what, how else. Um, and I was, there's, there's a whole lot of pressure to, to do that young, to get married young and to start having babies right away. That's part of the culture. Yes. Well, I was, yeah, I was 25 at the time. Um, oh, so, so you were older then. Okay. Yeah. I had served a long three years in the ministry from 21. No, I was 24. No, I was 25, 21. I started right before I turned 22 and then I ended right before I turned 25. Um, So let me ask you this quick, the girls that serve him, does he want them to stay single while they're serving? So is that why you, that's why you were older then? Okay. Yes. Well, we made vows of singleness while we served there. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. But then for the general culture though, of, of families that are in that, they do get married very young. Um, some of them do and some of them don't. I think, Light difference between Vision Form and Bill Gothard. So Bill Gothard was very interesting. So he actually had a lot of tips with um, Doug Phillips. So Vision Form and a lot of homeschool families encouraged people to get young, marry young. I also was involved in their organization. Um, and I was given What's a Girl to Do or whatever, stay-at-home daughters. And I hated the book so much and I felt caution against it that I actually went and dipped it in my parents' pool. And then... <laughs> 
So I was like 19 or 20. You are, you are so my soul sister. I love yeah. you so much. I love this. You're just, I threw I'm that. just going to drown the book. <laughs> I was making sure nobody found it. I was like, I will destroy this book. and yes. throw it We need to have a bonfire at the retreat. I want everybody, if they still have any of their books left that are crap, like bring those bad books and we will burn them. <laughs> So I, I actually went to go out there and I told him, I was like, you know why a lot of these girls won't serve in your ministry that are single? It's because Vision Forum tells them that they're supposed to get married really young and their highest calling in life is to be a wife and mother. I was like, I don't believe that. I believe that I'm supposed to serve God in my singleness. And I was a very big advocate of like, as a young person, giving God years in your singleness. And so I actually encouraged a lot of young people there to give God a couple of years and go do mission work. Um, sadly, they probably did it with the ministry, but of IBLP. So anyway, Bill Gothard called up Doug Phillips over that issue. So he was upset because he was asking young girls to come work for him and their parents would say no because they were involved in vision form and they taught that you shouldn't leave the home. So you, they're, they're kind of very different. So Bill Gothard encouraged people to stay single and serve him. And so he was very against marriage for those he liked. So mm-hmm. I had, yeah. Cause he wanted to keep you close to him. Oh yes. Yeah. I was disobeying God by getting married. I mean, he would be like, I um, see God doing so much in your life. Like, how come you're throwing all this away? You have so much potential. Like you, you need to give another five years here. I mean, like that was the type control Bill Gothard had over the girls he wanted. So it wasn't, it was a little bit different. It was not encouraged to get married very young. If he saw that, as he called it, had potential and he wanted around for, for his own selfish gain. Okay. Gotcha. So yeah. you, you do get married. And then from there, what happened? Um, I ended up in domestic abuse very quickly. So I was married to many raised in the program all their lives. And mm. I actually, um, domestic abuse started right away. Um, I remember the first time I disobeyed him. I didn't do something. He said, he called me the B word. Mm threatened to spank me and talked about how he would spank me. And then I, I went upstairs and cried. And then he came upstairs and found me, pulled out scripture and read it to me about the submissive wife and how you're supposed to win them by the conversation, how the unsaved woman's supposed to no, un, the woman's supposed to win an unsaved man by the conversation of their wives. And he said, you don't even have the behavior to win an unsaved person mm-hmm. as a Christian. This is all your fault. Wow. And that premise of my marriage, it was spiritual abuse you owe me submission at all times. You, um, I don't want to go into all my story, but it ended up getting started more and more threats of physical abuse, you know, threatened to beat me, threatened to smack me, hit me. Um, when I didn't do what he said, um, there's times I ran away. Um, there's times he chased me, um, busted open doors, screamed in my face. Um, cause I touched the AC and I wasn't supposed to touch the AC, um, to save money. And it was very, very, very controlling. Um, the problem is, is I had been groomed for control. Um, I had been groomed by Bill Gothard. I had been groomed by ATI. I couldn't even see past control. So I remember searching on Google for what is abusive marriages? What is abusive marriages? And like, or, or something feels off my marriage. And I would find the power and control will. And I would see every area of my life is controlled by him and that by the de- very definition I was in, what they would call domestic violence. And I was like, no way. These areas are supposed to be controlled. Wow. I- wow. So you're seeing the power and control wheel, but you're thinking all oh, these people are off their rockers. Like this is, this is how I'm supposed to be treated. Yeah. This is the liberals. Yeah. I, I, wow. Wow. I want to do what God wants me to do. So I, um, yeah, I, I couldn't discern domestic abuse. I mean, I could be chasing, be chased. I could be threatened. I could be whatever. He would read scripture to me and tell me it's all my fault. And I would believe him. I mean, that's what 
I've been so controlled by Bill and my parents and IBLP. I didn't know how to see abuse. So is white spanking one of their teachings? I've heard that that is in some, some no. faith communities. Is that specifically to them or that's just something he picked out of, you know? He just said because I was such a defiant and rebellious wife that if I was his child, he'd turn me over his knee right now. Okay. Because I'm learning that there are actual faith communities, if you can call them that, that do believe in wife spanking. And I'm like, say what? Like, I mean, I've heard of some crazy stuff, but I didn't know that there were churches that actually taught that that was God's will. Oh, my gosh. I have actually heard of that. I've actually heard that there is a women that I know have experienced that. I have not talked to them personally, and I don't give other people stories. Right, right. Um, yeah, that is a real thing. I was not in that type of organization, but I was, it was just more of so much entitlement from being raised in the church that I owed him right. and was expected to have no life other than to serve him at all times. And so he felt so angry when I didn't do and meet all his needs that he felt the right to physically assault me. Um, and I felt I would deserve that. I mean, IBLP, I was actually taught that a slap across the face was sometimes needed and deserved. Um, and it was actually pulled out in scripture that sometimes our authorities slap us because we're so defiant that we Wow. Wow. I believe that I was so worthless that I deserved this. Um, and he would read scripture to me. And that was kind of how I was groomed through ATI was to believe I was worthless and undeserving of love. And I, that I've completely had to earn it. I mean, Bill Gothard had worked that way at first in the beginning, he woos you in kind of like an abuser and um, makes you think you're part of this inward circle and he has great plans for you. Then he kicks you out and he makes you constantly leaves you in a cycle of trying to earn back that love and earn back that favor. So I was used to this play pool relationship. That's what I had lived in with Bill Gothard. It's, um, what I had known it, it made, it was my normal. Um, but when did you begin to see the truth and see the light? When did that shift begin for you? This is a crazy story. So this is why I kind of went into the whole beginning. I, um, became very suicidal and I wanted to die. I, I just felt so broken inside between all the abuse because whether you know it's abuse or not, mentally, your body knows. Yeah. Your body is bearing a lot spiritually. I'm bearing a lot emotionally. I'm bearing a lot physically. And I started to break down. And I was like, I, I just, I'm at a place that I feel like I really just, I, I want to die. Like I literally want to die. And I'm like, I'm, I'm scared I'm going to actually go forth with it because mm -hmm. I'm so miserable. I have a two-year-old. I can't do this. I don't know what to do I'm at this point. And so I began to cry out to God. First, I wrote Bill Gothard a letter, told him to pray for me because that was all I knew to do. Mm. I started to feel caution in my spirit and just sick. Why did I write him a letter? What's wrong with me? Why do I feel so attached to him? Something's wrong. So I cried out to God and I said, God, I don't know what to do. Just show me. And I heard God speak to me clear as day. And he said, go to recovering grace. And that was a site where when people explained their stories of abuse from Bill Gothard, I was very against that site. I thought that site was evil. Like I mm -hmm. love, but I was like, so, okay, well, God told me to go here. Wow. So I'm going to go. And you will not believe this. Meg, remember that letter? Mm -hmm. Meg started writing her story the day before. Oh my goodness. Yes. So I looked at it and I started reading her story as a four part story. And it was a horrible, horrible story of something very inappropriate between him and her. And I knew from that letter that something was inappropriate between him and her. 
I believed her because I had been there and read that letter. You, you ha- see how good God is. Oh my goodness. That he, all those years before allowed you to have that encounter and then you're crying out for help. And she's the one writing the post the day before. Yes. That I- is so God. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, I mean, sometimes, I mean, I know God is good and I know God is powerful, but sometimes I am just so blown away by how intricately woven his goodness is. <laughs> yes. And so, wow. what, yeah, even crazy, right? I forgot to mention is on my wedding day, I read my Bible and I read Psalm 16 and God said, get out and this will be true in your life. Mm-hmm. So I'm, mm-hmm. But anyway, so I read that and it was a four part series. So day one was the day before that day was day two. And it just so happens that I'm finding this and broken at the same time. This is wow. God's heart. I contact Recovering Grace and I said, I want to talk to Meg. I said, you will not believe this. I know her. I read a letter from her and Bill Gothard. I reminded her of an old staff girl. I know this to be true. I have to talk to her. Wow. They call me. Um, the girl who calls me happens to be a domestic abuse advocate and says, you need therapy. You need a counseling. Not today, but yesterday. You need yes, to yes. right now because they found out Bill Gothard had counseled me over that issue where I'd had dissociation. And that's really where the bulk of the abuse allowed for me with Bill that's how he got so much a hold of me, um, mm-hmm. me because he was able to play that against me in addition to other things. So I was like, okay. So I got in therapy. I began talking to Meg and Meg and I became friends. Um, I got in therapy. Um, let's just say in, within six months, um, I worked through the issues from childhood. I worked through with Bill Gothard and I had an episode with my uh, husband at the time that was domestically abusive. And well, all of it's domestically abuse, but a incidence that was um, more severe than normal. And I came into counseling the next day and told him. And he stood there shocked. And he said, you never told me any of this was happening in your marriage. And I said, no, I didn't. I was like, because I didn't know until I dealt with my childhood situation, until I dealt with what Bill Gothard did to me and realized that was abuse. If those things were abuse, that means what's happening to me now is wrong. Wow. Wow. And he said, so what's the truth? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in an abusive marriage. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you are. Yeah. And that was when I, it hit me. And that's how I came out of realizing that was an abusive marriage. Also a month later, I joined a lawsuit against Bill Gothard um, with Meg and several other plaintiffs. Um, Meg is from New Zealand. And is actually still a close friend of mine today, really loves the Lord. Um, and she and I, she remembers the letter that Bill Gothard had me read. I remember details of it. And she and I both have a very detailed mind. We are actually kind of similar in personality a little bit. Um, so it's kind of weird. Um, just understanding who Bill Gothard chose. And sure. Who- yes. He had a, he has a type. <laughs> oh, he had a type. Oh, he has a type. Yes. Um, and so she and I both have very detailed memories and are both very known as loyal people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just a lot of the similar characteristics and we can see it right there. Um, the letter that he had me read was sent a year before I even came. And so he's like, I don't even understand why he had you read that. And I was like, I bet you were the old staff girl that I reminded him of. So yeah. Um, who would have thought that, uh, would have been, this was when I was 22, when I was 33, no, 
30, we linked up and joined a lawsuit together. Who would have thought? <laughs> so just real quick, we don't have a lot of time to go in detail. Oh, how, how did that, um, how did that lawsuit go then? Like how long, how drawn out and what was the end result of that? Um, well, the lawsuit, well, I'll just kind of go through in, in my story then really quick. Um, you so take, you take as much time. I know you're the yeah. one that needed, I'm fine on time. So. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I'll just keep going. Um, yeah. so the lawsuit, um, we joined and let's just say through the lawsuit, we were in the lawsuit for three years. Um, at the third year in the lawsuit, I tried to fix my marriage multiple times, could not. I ended up meeting Call to Peace Ministries at the very end by this therapist that, that had been helping me for the past three years. Um, he connected me with Joy Forrest um, and told me that she was going to help me. Um, she's the founder of Call to Peace Ministries. I called her and went to her little small office and she sat down and showed me the power of control will. And she talked with me through it. She had another friend there who's an advocate who went through line by line the power control will and helped me understand that this was not normal and not okay in any any marriage, even Christian marriage. I joined their support group um, and I got out of my domestically abusive marriage and left. And then the month after I left my marriage, um, the lawsuit ended. It ended over complications and we chose to dismiss um, fast forward six months later, Bill Guthrie comes back to me and says, you recant everything you said. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I didn't lie. I'm not recanting. I had him contact me by another person trying to get me to recant. Um, and I would not recant. So he says, I will see you in court. And here's a $18,600 judgment on you. Um, and you can expect to pay that. And also be, I would have things per my record, possibly serving jail time um, for false wow. allegations. Wow. So I'm like, well, Bill Gothard, go to hell. That's why I told him. I was like, I'm not recanting. I will die before I recant because that's my integrity. Um, mm -hmm. so anyway, um, key fast forwarding called to peace was really there for me, really supported me. Um, I began to heal. I'm not going to say I did not go through really, really dark times. I began to question my faith in God. Um, Joy was really somebody who really mentored me and helped me process through it and understand the sufferings of Christ and how he too was really, how he was put on the cross by religious leaders. Um, after the lawsuit ended, I had told all the girls in the lawsuit about my vision of God telling me I was going to testify in court against him. Um, and so I assumed the lawsuit was going to go through because of that. So when it ended, I was like, well, I don't understand what that meant. Maybe it was a misunderstanding. Well, in December, I get a call from them. Maybe it was in November. They're like, you will not believe this. Your vision is true. We're going to court. So Bill Gother took me to court and I testified against him at 33 years old. So uh, it did happen just as uh, God had told me. And it didn't. It was, anyway, so I came back and filed for divorce two weeks later and um, began the grieving and healing process more of working through Domestic abuse, Bill Gothard appealed it, and we hired money to hire and to play it lawyer, and that ended, that went on for another year and a half, and then that ended. Um, and for the most part, I think we're done um, with him, hopefully. So, yes, I began to process and heal through my abusive marriage, and um, it, that has been a long process, but a good process. I've done a lot of therapy with a therapist who is trained in domestic abuse. And I've had to untwist a lot of scriptures. Rebecca Davis yeah, is absolutely. helpful to me, um, as well as called to peace and their, um, their, uh, their resources and teaching them in the advocacy course. And I'm really enjoying that. So, I mean, I guess after that, I was kind of like, well, what's next? What happens, God? And I began praying and um, I heard God tell me that I told God I wanted to write for women in domestic abuse. 
And um, God said, you were right. And so a month later, I got an offer randomly for to write for a magazine. And I learned to write and ended up working for Call to Peace Ministries probably about a year and a half after God spoke this to me. And I have been on a healing journey and process and now am writing and helping other women be able to find the truth of God and his love after going through spiritual, sexual, and domestic abuse and knowing that he is for us and that he fights for us and that his heart is against abuse and oppression. And that is not real Christianity. Amen. That's my story. And a long nutshell. (laughs) How would you, how would you say your relationship with God is now versus 20 years ago or 15 years ago? What, what has changed? Um, so I feel like I'm at a very good place now of being able to pray and worship God and feel very close to him and hear him speaking to me and working in my life. I would say that, um, I'm still very much healing compared to where I was at like 19 and 20 or I would say 21 when I was spending several hours a day in prayer. Um, I am. I feel very connected to God and I feel God leading me and feel at peace. I wouldn't, don't think I'm fully healed completely spiritually. I would say I am much further along. There's still a lot of areas in my life that are still healing. Absolutely. That's all of us. Yes. <laughs> That's all of, all of us. We're all on yeah. a journey. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's not the blind trust that was there before. Um, you know, after I had like for me and my relationship with Christ, an area I struggle is with trust. I am learning to trust God. Mm-hmm. I'm learning to hear his voice. I would say that is huge for me and learning to trust what I feel and what I feel he is telling me above what those around me are saying and learning to listen to myself has been a huge part of my healing, um, which I believe is the Holy Spirit inside of me leading and guiding me. And so sometimes I still wrestle through fears and struggles with surrendering and trusting because in the past that meant abuse. I am much, right. much more healed than I was a year ago. Um, and so, yes, I mean, I would say just, I feel, I feel at a good place and feel that God has really done a lot of work to heal me. Um, it's been a long, long process and a lot of work. I've spent a lot of time um, reading scripture. Um, that's just kind of part of my healing process was just scripture. Really, it was, I would read my Bible every day and just look for verses. I know there was one point I went, started in Genesis and I went through and highlighted every verse to ever talk about marriages and covenants and said, God, show me the truth. And I would, I just I would sit down and read Job and wouldn't stop and just like trust God and through the process of what I'm going through. And so it was just, for me, it was just a lot of time with him and seeking him. So I would say I'm a lot more confident than I was 15 years ago in my walk with Christ. I feel a lot more confident of who I am in him and that I am loved by him. Um, yes. So that would because, be because of who you are, not because of what you do. Yes. It's not based on works anymore. It, well, because of who he is, you know, you are loved by him because of who he is. And that was not, <laughs> that was not the message you had when you were with that group of people. It was always about what you could do to earn his love or what you could do to lose his love. And that's not the God that we serve. That's yeah. not, that's not the God who is just and righteous. And Jesus has already paid the price. Like we don't have to pay the price. He already did that. Yes. And that's not a message that you were getting back then, but I just, I am so in awe of what God is doing in your life. And even with the name of our group, it's held and healed, but this is why held because we've always been held. 
And we know that looking back, no matter what we've been through, no matter what nightmare, what hellish thing that you or I have walked through, we know that we know that we know that God had always been there holding us. We know that. And then I was encouraged to pick a word that is where we are going and where we want to be. So that's why I chose heals, not because we are fully healed yet, <laughs> but because that is where we will be when we meet Jesus face to face. And so we have always been held. We will be healed. So that's why I even picked the name of my group held and healed, because this is a journey that so many of us women need to go on. And we're not walking around saying we've we've learned it all. We're not walking around saying we're completely healed. We're not walking around saying that we won't be triggered tomorrow by something that happened 20 years ago. We're just saying we know that God's got us. We know that he's holding us. And we know that when we do meet him face to face, we will be completely wholly healed. Amen. And I see that with you. And I see how you are taking the thing that the enemy meant for evil and your destruction. And you are now turning it around. And that's what I love about survivors is yeah. we get this fire. We get this passion that says, I was there and I know there are so many women who are still there. And I will do whatever God has asked me to do to help pull them out of the fire, to help speak truth. And I love what you said earlier. And I say that to anyone who may be listening today, what is truth? What is truth? And I pray that you will know truth and that truth will set you free wherever you are on your journey. That if you have been believing lies about yourself and believing lies about God and what he expects of you, that you would really, really come to know who God really is. And recovering, what is the group or the website that you went to that's Gothard Survivors? Um, recovering Grace. Recover, recovering grace. Yes. Okay. I will link that because I know there are people that need that or any denomination that you've been a part of that did similar things to you and pushed you down and abused you and beat you, took God's word and beat you over the head. Like reach out to me, reach out to Lauren. Is there a way other than all to peace? Um, is there a way that people could communicate with you? I don't, I didn't even ask you that ahead of time. Um, yeah, they're welcome to message me via Facebook. Um, okay. That's okay that's with you. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So Lauren Rose, she goes by on Facebook and you can reach out to her that way, or you can reach out to her through the called the peace, um, website, which I will also link. And if you are close by and join us in September for our retreat, you can meet her face to face. Yay. So Lauren, I love you. Oh, and I, <laughs> I am so glad that we get, favorite. we get to do this thing called life together. And yes. I um, just believe that God brought us together for a reason and Absolutely. many reasons. And I look forward to working with you more in this uh, battle. Thank you for having me today. Yes. And I would just say to anybody that's out there listening, um, something on my heart is that no matter what you're going through, spiritual abuse, and, you know, if you're going through sexual abuse, please um, call the police. Um, yes, you know, call or the police. Yes, yes. Abuse, um, domestic abuse, um, whatever type of trauma you're working through, if you've been through that previously, is I would just say, if anything, dig into God's word. Um, that is where I have found truth and where I have found healing. And just spend time just reading his word. Sometimes it hurts so much you can't pray just read his word. And that was, it's the most cleansing thing you can do. It's just meditating on his word and getting the truths. I would listen to first John every single night going to sleep. And sometimes I still do, but I would just have it on replay all night long and would just listen to it on my phone and go to sleep to it and would tell myself that true Christians love because 
there was times mm. I couldn't even process all the pain. Like I just couldn't even think straight. I couldn't even function because the pain was so deep and so it was so hard in the midst of it when I really let it come out and, and feel it and face it. So I would just say, if anything, cling to God, dig in his word, and he will show himself faithful. Yes, I still struggle. Yes, I'm at a much better place. Um, but where I'm at now compared to even a year or whoa, two years ago or three yes, years ago, yes. totally different place. And Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. God is so faithful. So just yeah. cling to him and cling to his word, and he will see you through. Amen. Amen. And continue to reach out to Rebecca with Rebecca Davis. The Untwisted yes. Scripture books are a great resource. I interviewed her a couple weeks ago. And Joy, I interviewed her way back. Um, so yes, just go back in the archives of this podcast and learn more about these beautiful ladies. So ladies, you're welcome to join us at, on Facebook at Held and Healed, Christian Women Rebuilding After Abuse. Or if you would like to contact me and don't have Facebook, you can go to my website, HeatherElizabeth.org. And our prayers and thoughts are with you. May you be healed and held. Bye-bye.